Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN, and this is the end of week seven, I believe, of work from home, quarantine, of separation from the sports world. I kind of mark the uh, the date that everything stood still uh, that night of the Big Ten Tournament. Um, that was March 11th, and then that was the Wednesday, and then March 13th was uh, Friday the 13th that everything kind of really officially shut down across the sports world, so... Uh, it's been kind of like a, a lifetime ago, it feels like, since that day, but uh, we're all kind of settled in now. Hopefully things get back to normal soon, but till then, we'll, we'll keep pumping out these podcasts, and we got a, a fun, special guest this week for you on the show. He's a guy whose personality has definitely been profiled plenty of times um, on broadcasts, and you probably have heard of him if you're a Big Ten basketball fan at all. It's Georgie Bashanishvili, Illinois' Uh, junior to be forward who is from the country of Georgia and his story has been told like I said a lot but uh, basically his mom moved to Vienna Austria to help support the family financially and he came to the U.S. as a teenager to play in New Jersey in high school and eventually Illinois discovered him and um, he's definitely outplayed his recruiting rankings and has been a fan favorite for the Illini so far. So we got Georgie on, fun conversation with him despite some technical difficulties, which he was a absolute prince about. He powered through him and kept apologizing for the his Zoom signal going out. And I'm like, Georgie, it's all good, man. Like, don't worry about it. But uh, every time he cut back out, he, which we edited out most of the, the hiccups, but every time he jumped back on, he'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it's like, Georgie, it's all, it's all good, man. But you'll hear a fun conversation with the Illini forward here coming up. And then after that, we have Harold Shelton on as we normally do. Harold is our BTN researcher. And normally we talk in-depth sports topics and analyze what's on the field or the court. But obviously with none of that going on, we've uh, diversified a little bit and taken topics off the playing field. And this week, our topic is sports movies, our favorite sports movies across football, basketball, baseball, documentaries, and in general. So stick around for a fun conversation with Harold Shelton after Georgie. But first, we'll get to Georgie Bashanishvili. Say that three times fast. Georgie Bashanishvili of the Fighting Illini. That conversation with the Georgia native starts right now. All right, very pleased to be joined by an Illinois basketball player. He's a fan favorite, not only for the Illini, but... I'd say across the Big Ten as well. It's Georgie Bashanishvili. Georgie, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Alex. How you doing? I've been uh, just been living day by day. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I see uh, on this Zoom call, it looks like you're you're in a vehicle of some sort. What, what's the situation? Are you you're down in Champagne, right? I am down in Champagne. What I just did actually, I helped my friend out, Alan Griffin, who has transferred. Actually, um, he was my roommate, and he had a lot of his clothes and stuff like that. It has um, in our apartment, as of say like that. And uh, I actually just got done sending him. Um, he had like two suit. I packed two suitcases off his clothes, and I just sent him one the clothes that he wanted. Actually, he left a lot of clothes too. So, yeah, I just got done doing that, and I didn't realize we had an interview at one thirty. So I just got done doing that. So I'm like, let's just do it right away. Yeah, why not? And no hard feelings then with Alan. You know, you're you're still helping out, being a good roommate, being a good friend and teammate. I love Alan. I mean, he's my he's like my brother, and uh, it doesn't matter that he transferred. I mean, my friendship with Alan was way bigger than basketball. 
you know, we were living together and uh, it still is. I mean, I'm talking about it was. And uh, I love Ella. I help him out with whatever he won. His decision basketball-wise was his decision and he feels like that was the best for him and uh, support him all the way, you know. He's like my brother. So this is way, like, when I have that bond with my teammates, it's way bigger than basketball. So just because, you know, he left my team and I'm actually really sad about it and I feel I'm heartbroken, but I'm still help him out, you know. Yeah, I know Illini fans and, and Big Ten fans are probably sad to see him go. Um, but I think the majority of Illini fans definitely wish him well, and uh, I want to wish him well as well. Uh, Georgie, I saw your interview with Andy Katz last week, another, another BTN guy. Um, so you guys talked about how you're hanging out in the U of I campus in Champaign. You didn't want to be stuck in Europe potentially with all the uncertainty around travel restrictions and stuff like that. So are you like the only person on campus right now with things shut down? Like are you, are you seeing tumbleweeds in the street? Who are you, who are you interacting with on a day-to-day basis down there? Uh, I made a couple of new friends, to be honest. There are some people who are stuck here, like me, who are international. Um, and uh, other people, some people came back from their homes who all live around the, um, around this area. They have come back to campus, though, when the weather is nice, people are on the quad. Quad is our um, main space on the campus, to say it like that. It's for people who don't know. And um, the people hang out when weather is nice. You know, my, my age people, not nobody else, to be honest. So I make a couple of new friends. I hang out with them sometimes. But uh, mostly I just trying to work out, you know, just go for a run and just be at home as much as I can because obviously I understand the issue that is going on. So um, campus is pretty, pretty empty, but there are some students left uh, here. So we hang out together sometimes. Yeah, and I want to give you full disclosure. I don't know if uh, Derek, our, your SID, filled you in, but – I actually grew up in Champaign and went to school at Illinois. So I spent quite a few summers there when things were really, really dead. But even then, like restaurants and, and bars and things like that were open. So I, uh, I know you're paying a little bit with not much going on right now down there. So I hope you're making the most of it. Uh, I am I making most of it, you know, as, as you know, and as everybody knows, all the bars and everything else is closed and it's a ghost town. But at the same time, you know, um, it's bigger than that because we are living, you know, sun will rise every day and there will be night at night. So we have to live, you know, so I'm trying to be um, as positive as I can, busy as I can, you know, doing good things like sending stuff to Alan. I don't know. Just stay, try to stay busy every day. Yeah. It's good. Good outlook to have. And, you know, most people listening probably have heard your story. I know it's been told quite a few times, you know, you grew up in Georgia and, you know, you have a special relationship with your mom and brother and all that's great. People can check that out on, you know, our, our documentary series we did on you or all the great articles that have been written about you. But since you are uh, well known by now, I want to get a little more creative with the interview and ask questions a little more outside the box. If that's okay. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, first of all, you know, I'm just going to start it off the top because you did have an interview with Andy Katz. He's a, he's a uh, fan favorite for a lot of college basketball fans. So I want to know who's your favorite college basketball announcer that you've come across in your two years? Oh, why you have to ask that question? Oh my God. You know, I'm not going to answer that question, right? You can't even you give me that like because three, I meet all these guys before games on shoot rounds. We meet them at shoot rounds. We have great conversations with them. And then, um, I mean, I definitely have conversations. Some players don't, but I always have conversations with them. And all of them are doing a great job. They always compliment me so many ways. And uh, we always have great conversation about some players. You know, I have some players that I know from different colleges, and they host them as well. Um, shout out my man, Mamu, from Seton Hall. For example, about him, we always chat with different, you know, 
um, different guys. So I'm not going to say anybody is my favorite just because I have great relationships with all of them and I want to keep it like that. So I do not have anybody who is very favorite. I got you. You don't want to alienate anybody. That's smart. That's, that's good politics. Um, speaking of college basketball announcers, I remember in your first couple of games for Illinois, Bill Walton was announcing the Maui Invitational and he started calling you Georgie B. I don't know if it was because he couldn't say your last name or he just was too lazy to try and attempt it, but were you referred to as Georgie B before Bill Walton had that moniker? Because I kind of called you that since then, or, or did he kind of invent that? I think he kind of invented that because when I, when I first came here to Champaign my whole summer and then until the season started, literally nobody knew me here, you know, like even I came, whatever, and nobody knew me. I, some people would tell me, Sometimes if I ask them something on the street, for example, I got lost one time um, around Champagne and this old man, I was on my bike and it was in summer, my very first summer in Champagne. I got lost and uh, I got lost and I had no idea where to go, whatever. And I always ask somebody, you know, when I need help, whatever. And I asked this old man, I'm like, how do I get to campus? He like, and then he laughed. So I'm like, I don't think that will happen right now. That was just a side story just because I like to talk anyway. Um, but I think Bill Walton started because until that point, the season started, nobody really called me Georgie B, not any of my teammates, not any of my coaches or anybody. So I think he started that trend, you know. he. I think he he couldn't pronounce my name because he asked me before the game. He like, how you pronounce your name? I told him and he just couldn't. So I think he just came up with it just like that. And now everybody knows George B definitely around Champagne. So it's pretty cool. Well, I hope that old man, you know, I'm glad it didn't <laughs> skew your, your perception of, you know, Champagne locals. Town. No. Cause like, we got to do better. Like, come on now. Like, I don't <laughs> care. I don't care if you're uh, on the Illini basketball team or just a stranger in need. Like we got to help out our fellow, you know, our, fellow, so. our fellow man asking for directions. So sorry that happened to you, Georgie, but it, it makes for no, a good it's okay. It makes At the same good. time, I mean, I don't understand. Maybe he was going through something. You know, you never know what people are going through at some point of their, you know, he maybe he was standing there and maybe somebody just, I don't know, just nodded in his family. He was mad, you know. So I'm totally, when, I'm, when something like that happens with anybody, I take a different perspective of it in a way of maybe something was going on in his life and he was mad, you know. Some people hate, some people help you out right away but some people are rude so I'm okay with it <laughs> all right well uh moving on I, I just kind of re want to reflect at the top of the show because usually I introduce people and include their Twitter handles in the intro as far as I know you you don't have Twitter but you're you're Cherry Georgie on Instagram right yes. so so yeah. why no Twitter and why are you so active on Instagram instead um so I'm just yeah this is pretty simple I had Instagram since I think 2012 and I was really, I mean, really young. I was 13, 14 years old, I believe. And I just made it because my friends made it, like who I was close to in the team. And that was the only thing back then, you know, it was like Instagram where I was at with my friends. They only had that. And I kind of started it and then I just stuck with it. And when I came and I didn't know about Twitter at all before I came to the United States, you know, people don't use, I mean, not people, but the people that I know don't really use Twitter back home. And when I came here, everybody told me about Twitter. But even Instagram, I'm really, really uh, using it a lot now. But before college, I think I was not social guy at all, social media guy at all. Social, I was always a social guy, but never a social media guy. And um, now, since since my college career started, uh, I started using Instagram a lot. 
but I never really got hooked on Twitter. I just don't feel like it's uh, it will be a lot of waste of time if I get on it, I think. It can be toxic sometimes, but you've been making the best of your Instagram presence for sure. I mean, you're working out on live. You're letting fans in the, the live stream to work out with you. How did you kind of decide to do that, uh, you know, take that approach with your Instagram and start getting the fans involved? Um, I was just thinking – I was actually talking to Fletch. Always shout out to Fletch. Coach Fletch, our strength and conditioning coach, is one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country. Um, and um, I'm happy that he's here with us. And he actually made this plan for us from Monday through Friday and conditioning different workouts. And I actually told him that um, would he be cool with it if we engage some people with it, you know, because all the people are sitting around at home and I have kind of, you know, followers on my Instagram who, who like to be engaged. I'm like, if everybody's sitting at home and everybody's bored and I'm working out already by myself at home, why not to engage with people, you know, make it fun. You know, it's fun for me. I think it's for, fun for the fans, for the kid. It's for just for the better cause for everybody. So I, it, it was kind of random, you know. I just started doing those live workouts. Then I thought about why not to engage those kids or people, you know, with it. So I think it's just a good thing to do. All right. Well, it's one of the only things that can really go on right now with all these uh, restrictions and craziness in the world. But I do want to look back at this past season for Illinois basketball because you guys were a really fun team to watch. You closed the season about as well as, uh, you know, anyone could could want with a win over Iowa, you know, despite not being able to, to play in the NCAA tournament or Big Ten tournament, which is disappointing. Uh, you guys went out with a W, and it was an exciting game. The thing that caught my eye after that game, uh, especially, was when, Fran, when uh, Brad Underwood was walking off the court, and he signed the giant poster of Iowa's coach, Fran McCaffrey. I was wondering if you saw that and if you noticed that going on. I didn't saw it or notice it in the moment, but after actually guys in the locker room, after the game was over, I think it was the next day even, they showed it, uh, they showed it to me some, was it Drake? I think it was uh, Andres Feliz. He showed it to me on the phone because they post on Twitter or whatever. I couldn't see it, obviously, because I don't have Twitter. But they, it was on Twitter, I think, and he showed it to me. I was I was laughing off, and then I went to coach. I'm like, coach, this was, this was th- this is the thing I would do. Know, like that's the type of thing I would do after I went like that side and posted off a different like off an opponent or something. So I was just I was just so I was just smiling. I was I was happy about it. I'm like, coach, hey, I would do the same thing. So it was just a good, cool, cool, happy moment. Yeah, I'm curious. Those games against Iowa in particular got a little heated. You know, guys are getting in each other's faces a little bit. Um, do you guys really not like each other out there, or is it all just kind of competition? No, nah, I mean, at first, I think last year, it started last year that we, you know, it was really competition and stuff. But this year, I think it turned more into really not liking each other. You know, like, it really turned into that. And I think Ayo said it in that press conference that we just don't like each other. And it, it really turned into that this year when we played it on their home court and some issues happened. And then when they came back to our place, we knew we would take care of them and we did. And that really, that last game really, like, personally me, because I don't like that, you know, not like each other. It's sport, you know, it's basketball. But sometimes it happens, and it happened between us, and uh, we do not like each other. They don't like us. We don't like them. And that's just how it is. And you say it with a smile. I'm curious now, you know, since we, we brought some of the, the trash talk and animosity into it, who are some of the best trash talkers you've played against or, or some of the best trash talk you've heard, if you can think off the top of your head? Kyrie Irving. Most definitely. Kyrie, I played um, 
I play, I played a couple of pickups games with him when I first came to the United States. Actually, I attended Pat, the Patrick School, his high school. Um, and um, over the summer, when it was off season for him, he came out to Jersey because his father lives there, and he was there for a couple of weeks. And we played. Actually, he came. Um, he came with his old friends, with all old teammates from high school. And now the current high school team, and we was playing against him. He was unbelievable. I mean, he was talking trash, and sometimes he would like just stay quiet and look at you, and like you'd know he would kill you. You like do something crazy crossover or like hit a three in your face, and he would just look at you. And like that was the most amazing to me. He was not even saying anything after some point. He was just he was looking at you, looking at you, do something crazy, hit a shot on you, and keep looking at you and staring at you. I was like. Hey. Like that was most definitely the best trash talking moment or just overall the segment of trash talk that I have experienced. But I had, I had pretty good trash talking moments too. So anything that's yeah. safe for the podcast that you can share from my trash? No, no, most definitely not. I'm not sharing nothing from my, what I, what I'll be saying or thinking or doing. I'm not sharing that. Some other players can share, it, but not be. Fair enough. Fair enough. Another uh, point on rivalry games so far, Georgie, I hate to say it, you're 0-2 in the bragging rights game against Mizzou so far. Um, you know, that's a, that's a big one. How are you going to get that turned around going forward? Because, you know, people from Illinois, they don't like Mizzou too much. Um, that's – it's kind of the same with um, Iowa. It's the same with Mizzou. We don't like each other, you know. It turned into – like last year, I saw it was a big game, and I understood the whole concept of, you know, a lot of that fans and Mizzou fans. And, but this year, it really turned into that, too, you know? Like, we really don't like each other, and I'm hungry for it. I'm hungry for that game. I'm hungry for the breaking rights game next time. I'm 0-2. I feel bad about it. I always feel bad about any losses, but that, that, that really can be 2-1. All right, Georgie, and you, you touched on it briefly earlier in the interview. Um, how, you know, Alan Griffin's moving on and obviously you don't begrudge that decision. But I'm curious with, with things like his decision and, and Io and Kofi deciding to test the waters of the NBA draft, are these things that throughout the season or maybe towards the end of the season you're aware might happen? Or um, I think Io is obviously one of the, the more obvious decisions that um, he would at least probably test the waters. Is this something that you guys are thinking about toward the end of the year or, um, you know, did, did it kind of take you by surprise? I haven't, I have not thought about none of it, you know, throughout the year, whatever. And even towards end of the year, I would never imagine, you know, how it all ended, first of all, because we just also focused all of us as a group on basketball and winning and just playing basketball. We are so focused. I'm definitely personally me. I'm just so focused on playing basketball and winning. I'm not thinking about, you know, who is making what decision at the end of the year. But then when the end of the year came and those guys made those decisions, um, some, of, some of them were shocking uh, to me, definitely heartbreaking. Uh, at the same time, those are really personal decisions, you know, because people think about us as just basketball players who are playing for the Illini. But at the same time, all of these guys, including me, we have our own families and our own, um, priorities and stuff like that. So what people should think about more when they are, you know, commenting on maybe Io's decision or Kofi's decision or Alice or whoever, um, their own persons, you know, and their family, they have their families, which is, you know, which they think about. And for some people, um, decision, their family, for them, their family is more important than anything. So if they're 
they're making those decisions, you know, with their families and that's number one priority, I think, for everybody. So I'm super supportive of any of my teammates, whatever decisions they make, because I think about myself uh, as well, what decisions will I make and why I'm making those decisions. And for me, it always goes in with my family. I always talk to my mom, my brother, my grandparents. Okay, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We are all together in this. And it's the same for them, for Ayo, for Kofi, for Alan, for Tev. So I'm, I'll, I will always be supportive in a situation like that because none of us can speak for them or say, okay, Kofi should have stayed or Ayo should have stayed or Alan or whatever because we don't know how their families are, you know, none of us. But I know more than you guys, but at the same time, you know, we don't know how what maybe there are some issues in the family that can be solved through whatever you know or maybe this is that maybe this is that we should um and i think people should look at these decisions more as of that we are humans and we are just not basketball players so i just want people to know that and to consider that next time they're making some comment about kofi io allen or tev and it might be some bad comments or whatever or he should have done this he should have done that Consider that they are humans and they, they have their own families and they are making personal, really personal decisions. It's not just about, you know, basketball and just about playing for some certain university or whatever it is. It's, it's far beyond that. So um, be supportive because people will still make their own decisions and just like they have. And uh, all you can do from the side is be supportive. Why to drag them down or say a bad comment? or whatever, because at the end of the day, they will make their decisions still. So I just want people to know that and think about it in that way and not just, oh, this is the basketball players, you know, put the hoop in the basket. Like, it's not like that. So I want when people making those comments really think everything through, you know. Yeah, well said, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, rational and reasonable fans would certainly agree with you that it's, you know, the player comes first. And, and uh, I think, you know, most of the people I know to be, um, reasonable in that fan base, recognize that and agree 100% with what you said. Um, Georgie, I'm curious, before I let you go, I want to know, um, what's the favorite player moment as an Illini in your first two years that you've made so far and why? I have so many memories on the court, even off the court. It's hard to choose. It's really hard to choose a favorite memory. One of them definitely being when everybody stormed the court because it was so uh, against when we won against Michigan State. In my freshman year, we were all connected on the court. Fans came on the court and players weren't on the court. We were all jumping and people were crying and um, people were smiling and dancing. There was so much emotion on the court and the whole entire building came together when we won against Michigan State my freshman year. That was one of the things I will never forget in my life because of how many just how engaged everything was and everybody was because of one win. We won against Michigan State and everybody, so many people stormed. That was definitely most one of one of the most memorable moments of me being in the Illini jersey in my first two years. But I think many more memories are to come, and um, I will still not be able to choose my favorite one. But that one really sticks out sticks out to me. All right, how about your favorite IO big shot? Because he had so many big shots this past year, and even a couple his freshman year. Um, which one uh, sticks out to you the most as far as clutch plays that he made? So many shots from Iowa shots that you could choose, but um, I would choose one of the most recent ones against Michigan. And being on the road, I mean, he hit so many shots on the road. He should, he he hit so many shots against Wisconsin. Whatever you can think of, of so many shots, but 
I would just say shot against Michigan because it just um, one of the first shots that comes to my mind. It was so tough. I mean, it was almost almost a buzzer beater game winner because it was like 0.5 seconds or something left. So from Ios, many shots who helped us win. Um, I would choose the Michigan shot. I would say just because, but they all of them shots were incredible. I would say. All right, Georgie. Last question before I let you go. I think Illinois is the best uniform set in the Big Ten, like the best jerseys. Um, if you could, I would want you to rank from your favorite to least favorite. Um, which ones you like wearing the most, and which ones you think look the best? Um, uh, the options that I got here, you got your three like modern ones: the home whites, the road blues, and then the orange uh, modern day ones. Then you got your throwbacks in orange. And then the throwback white one. So if you could, if you had to choose best to worst, what would you go with? First of all, I love representing the line of jersey. It doesn't matter what jersey it is. I, will, I just want to say that. But then um, I could rank them for you. So I would go, my number one would be the throwback cursive jersey, the white one. Um, my number two would be the road blue jersey. The new one, the when when it's all like when it's all uh, blue, I love it. When it's really dark, I just love dark jerseys. Like if we had a black jersey, it would be my favorite jersey. But um, so number one would be the cursive jersey. Then probably the throwback, the other throwback jersey, the orange throwback jersey. And then after that, it doesn't really matter the white modern jersey and what what you had uh, again. Then the orange modern one, too. Yeah, the orange modern one and the white modern jersey would be the last two, but the cursive is number one, the blue is number two, and then the throwback is number two, number three, I would say. All right, fair enough. I feel like a lot of fans don't like the road blue ones as much because it's harder to play on the road, so they see more losses. But this year, you guys got some big road wins with those blue jerseys. I agree. I always liked those, uh, those road blues. I think they look sharp, especially now. So, um, Georgie, that's all I got for you now. Um, appreciate you sticking with me through some technical difficulties, but that's all I got. And I hope you uh, don't have to be alone in Champagne for too much longer. I hope you, uh, you know, we can get back to normal and that you can get back on the court as soon as possible, man. Alex, thank you for working through this, whatever this is. I don't know what's happening because I'm not touching my phone. It's just doing its own thing. So, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I'm here. I'm just being positive, trying to be better, live day by day, and uh, maybe encourage some people to do the same thing. So, as I said, this will be over soon. Let's just keep smiling, keep getting through it, and uh, hopefully everything will be back normal again. All right. Thanks once again to Georgie for joining me. Guy has uh, got a great personality, obviously. Um, the SID at Illinois has told me <laughs> that he's settled in and doing a bunch of zooms now for media um because like we touched on he's stuck on the u of i campus so he's uh, embracing these media opportunities obviously as you could tell with his gregarious and um, energetic interview there so appreciate georgie and illinois move along now to harold shelton uh, we talked about it briefly at the top of the show but harold and i rank our favorite sports movies before we do that, we also talk a little bit of uh, NFL draft, post-NFL draft talk about where some of our Big Ten prospects will have the best fits where they were drafted. 
talk a little bit about the last dance as well because I'm a Bulls fan. Harold is a Pistons fan, and the Bulls Pistons episodes are just this past weekend. So I want to get his reaction to the Bulls and Pistons portrayals in that documentary. All right, we'll kick it over to Harold now. Once again, that's BCN's researcher, Harold Shelton. That segment starts now. All right, back again on Zoom with our researcher, Harold Shelton. H, how you doing, man? Last weekend was busy for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm good. Um, Yeah, it was definitely busier for sure. Uh, You know, dealing with NFL draft and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we've just been trying different ways to get stuff on the air. And so, you know, each week, each day, we're kind of coming up with new ideas and brainstorms and kind of trying to figure our way out here. Even though it was a lot of work, it was nice to have real sports news going on last weekend Yes, and Big Ten news to react to. So I just want to start there with you before we, we dive into our topic of the week, which is it's kind of been a theme. You know, we're, we're trying to go outside the box and figure out some sports conversations to have. Spoiler, it's going to be movies this week. We'll list our best sports movies. But let's start off the top with just some of your quick NFL draft takeaways and some of the better fits you saw and, and players and landing spots you're excited to see play out. Uh, at least for me, the first name that popped into my mind was J.K. Dobbins. I was really surprised he was on the board for as long as he was. Um, but I think he went 50 to the Ravens, which is a complete great landing spot. He doesn't have to be the feature guy with Mark Ingram there. Uh, a lot of threat with Lamar Jackson. It was a team that ran for the most yards in the season in NFL history. And now you add a guy who – uh, ran for 2,000 yards and is the second leading rusher in Ohio State history to already electric backfield with uh, the former MVP and Heisman Trophy winner, I think. Yeah, the fact that he's going to be sharing the backfield with the you know reigning MVP and former Heisman Trophy winner means he won't see a lot of loaded boxes and he's got a chance to do some special things. For sure, yeah. I I was also intrigued by the possibilities of Dobbins and joining a great offensive team, you know, one that I was surprised to see fizzle out in the playoffs so early this past year. Um, And we talked about him and Jonathan Taylor last week and being interested to see where they ended up. I like Jonathan Taylor of the Colts as well. Um, I don't know a ton about the Colts, but none of their running backs really jump out to me. I think JT will have a good opportunity stand out in that backfield, also knowing that the, the quarterback situation there um, is, is, is new with Phillip Rivers. So the offense will probably have to be adjusted a little bit and he'll probably get a chance to shine. Um, and just going by these known commodities, you know, you were talking about being surprised that J.K. Dobbins was still there at that point. It kind of plays into my other armchair GM analysis uh, with a guy like Antoine Winfield, right? Like I'm a Bears fan. I was hoping at 43 they would – take Antoine Winfield I think he ended up going 45 or 46 to the Bucks, and sometimes just like you know take these proven players that we know are stars the college level um one thing that has not necessarily aggravated me but has always been kind of a head scratcher is like I think GMs like the one we have in Chicago here Brian Pace is always uh looking to maybe not get a a, a scoop on on the rest of the league but maybe reaching for some of these lower division talents, which sometimes it works out, right? Like sometimes Tariq Cohen 
is a guy who makes a pro bowl and it, it, it looks pretty smart. And sometimes you draft a guy like Adam Shaheen in the second round who has barely caught any passes out of, a, out of an FCS school. And now you're forced to take another tight end in the second round instead of taking a guy Antoine Winfield, like Antoine Winfield two years down the road. So they had to take Cole commit. So it all kind of stacks up on each other as, as the drafts go along. But that's my, you know, that's my meatball armchair analysis as a, uh, as a fake GM here. So I just had to get that off my chest, but uh, Winfield and, and Johnson, how about, how about them going to the Buccaneers from Minnesota? And how about them playing their last games at Raymond James stadium in that Outback bowl? Yeah. How about that? You know, especially Tyler Johnson. I mean, he had a monster day in that Outback bowl, you know, three touchdowns kind of reminded everybody how good he was at least the, those who hadn't seen him across the country. And so the fact that he gets to go there, you know, and play with Tom Brady, playing a ridiculous offense with a lot of weapons with Mike Evans and Godwin, uh, Gronk now, O.J. Howard, uh, he's got a chance to make some plays down there. I'm looking forward to seeing both of them uh, with that team. Yeah, the Bucks have gone from, like, being completely irrelevant in my universe to probably second most intriguing team uh, outside of – the Bears, who I follow week to week basis, just with having Tom Brady. Obviously, the nation's eyes are going to be on them and Gronk. Um, picked up Worfs in the first round as well. And then the Minnesota guys, I'm intrigued to see how they do just because they were huge studs in, in the Big Ten. So it's crazy how a team like that I don't think has made the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl in 2003 uh, can all of a sudden be on everyone's radar. Yeah, again, it's funny how it works, right? I mean, Bruce Arians is a guy who I think is pretty interesting as a head coach, but that can only take you so far. Um, they go from having a quarterback who you never knew what was going to happen from play to play. You know, it was literally all splash plays, negative and positive. And you move on from him and you get an aging, but still pretty good Tom Brady. And all of a sudden Grant comes back and now you go, like you said, go from just another team in the NFC South to one whose eyes will be on them every single week as a potential Super Bowl favorite. All right, I was wrong. They were in the playoffs in 08 and 06, but, you know, point still. No still major uh, wins, though. Yeah, it was uh, a major impact. Is, is Sue on the Bucks as well now, or am I wrong about that? Uh, I think he was. I don't – I think he left, but I know he was with them for a bit. Let me see where he wound up. Also wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, as a Spartan, one, how the um, how the results, I guess, came across to you with guys that were drafted and the landing spots they ended up at. And uh, the one that stuck out to me that was interesting was actually outside the draft with Brian Lorkey signed as an undrafted free agent to the Patriots where we know the situation at quarterback is is very much in question there yeah I was I was happy for Lewerke for sure um I was very surprised Kenny Willekes uh, was a seventh round pick um I thought he might have gone a couple rounds earlier than that but yeah definitely happy for Lewerke um I think that's a perfect spot for him in terms of at least trying to make the team they don't really have any proven threats. I and mean, you got another former Spartan up there in Brian Hoyer, and you got Jared Stidham, you know, second-year guy out of Auburn. And that's pretty much all that's up there in terms of quarterbacks. And so, you know, you got a really good chance of making a team if you can 
stand out. And so, you know, we'll see if his talent can break through. I mean, as a sophomore, you know, people thought he was going to do a lot of big things. You know, he ran for over 500 yards and threw for 2,500 or so. And uh, he really showed that he was a dual threat guy. And then he fought through some injuries these last couple of years. And, you know, scheme wasn't necessarily the best thing for him either. So I'm curious to see what he does with a fresh start. Um, as for Willikis, I think Minnesota is a perfect fit for him. Um, I think he's going to make some camp guys, you know, some old lineman in camp that's trying to make him. He's going to make his life live in hell because that's a guy whose motor just doesn't stop. And so I think he'll wind up making a team. I don't know, like, how valuable he'll be, but I'd be surprised if he's not on that uh, final 53. Yeah, Nate Stanley is another guy who – Yeah, Minnesota trying to Vikings had a really good, really heavy Big Ten draft. Yeah, the Ravens were another team that had a ton of Big Ten guys. Lions had a few as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, taking Okuda at at number three. Yeah, a couple Um, Ohio State guys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it should be interesting. And then um, also the Redskins, Washington, taking Chase Young, and you know he'll join his guys uh, Haskins and and Terry McLaurin uh, at Washington. So it should be interesting as well again we we talked about Ohio State right wanted to see you know what was going to happen there you get two guys that go in the top three and the fact that they had all three picks on the same team at a certain point when you include Joe Burrow it just kind of shows you know how much of a recruiting beast they've been uh, under Urban Meyer and now look to still be under Ryan Day yeah it was funny uh, Washington's social account shared a meme from our social media feeds about Khalid Hudson walking into the locker room uh, in D.C. Uh, as a Michigan guy going with all those Buckeyes, so it's pretty funny. Nice. All right, switching gears before we get to our all-time sports movie rankings. Let's talk about another in-progress sports movie. Um, I don't know if we'll talk Last Dance every week on the podcast, but this one, we definitely had to touch on it since it basically focused on the Pistons-Bulls rivalry for – majority of the the two hours this past Sunday um in case anyone hasn't listened to previous episodes you're a Pistons fan I'm a Bulls fan um so I want to get your reactions off the top what did you think of how your Pistons were portrayed in the documentary uh for the most part I was okay with it it's kind of gone along as I thought they presented them as a you know obviously a formidable challenge and an obstacle they had to overcome um, I was curious to see how much of 88 through 90 they would include. A new 91 would obviously be fully in-depth because it's a Bulls doc, as it should be. Um, I was a little disappointed they didn't show the comments from Jordan before game four of the 91 series, where he basically trashed the Pistons as bad champions and undeserved champions and that they were bad for the league and how the NBA would be better with them gone. I think that provides some interesting context for the walk-off um, that, you know, I wish that was included in the doc. But I was surprised that they at least included uh, the Celtics not shaking their hands in 88 to provide some context there. But I think if those comments aren't made, it's a lot easier to just swallow the sweep and move on. But, you know, the fact that, Jordan talks so much about sportsmanship and all that and goes out of his way the day before they eliminate him to say that they were undeserved champs when he hasn't won anything yet, I thought was uh, a miss to leave out. Yeah, it was funny. And 
you know, on one hand, I think like the bad boys embraced, obviously, even though it was before my, Absolutely. my lifetime, they embraced the villain role. And uh, I really enjoyed, I think the, the bad boys, um, 30 for 30s are one of my, it's one of my favorite sports documentaries ever. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's up there with like Fab Five and, and some of those. Um, so, you know, I, I recognize kind of the persona that team took on as as villains and, and they went out, you know, as villains as well. So it's funny now to see like Isaiah Thomas and, uh, you know, kind of throw his hands up. And I've heard him on other sports radio shows this week kind of reacting to the the Jordan slight and, and Jordan referring to him um, in the way he did. And, you know, I think Isaiah plays more of a nice guy now than obviously the persona they embraced then. But what, what I'm curious about is when did handshakes stop being a thing? Like, are they even – they don't do handshakes in the NBA anymore, do they? I think when series are over – They might yeah, – Like, you'll see some. I don't think it's right. one of those, like, NHL where been, when the series is over, yeah. you line up and you go through the handshake line and you shake everybody's hand. I think it's just more of those – hey, you know, end of the series, congrats, best of luck in the next round, or congrats, you know, winning the whole thing, blah, 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 blah. But it definitely made kind of it, an informal thing. It definitely made it more wild that they had to walk right by the Bulls bench to the locker room. Like, that's oh, yeah. what I feel like. No, it definitely – that definitely made it even more interesting, the fact that they literally had to walk right by him and didn't even acknowledge that they were there. Um it was funny, like, I saw quotes from Larry Bird floating around this week about how he never shook hands with the Lakers, and that just wasn't something that we did. Like, we hated those guys, and, you know, they hated us, and that's just what it was. And, you know, you see – like, I was just watching the, uh, the game six of the 88 uh, Eastern Conference Finals uh, right before we came on because it's Isaiah Thomas's birthday – and they were showing like his favorite moments. And it was basically him and Mikhail talking about that game six. And Mikhail was famously the only one who stayed on the court and congratulated, you know, Isaiah and, and Vinnie Johnson and everybody else walked off. And it's kind of like, okay, if we're going to make this a big thing, show it for everybody. Don't just single out one team because they're known as villains. That's, that's how I'm, I'm always a, Tell me the whole story. Don't just give me bits and pieces that fit your argument. Give me everything and let me form my opinion off of that. Definitely did unearth a lot of Bulls Pistons fan animosity that I just never really have been a part of or realized. You just haven't really been good and what? right. Realized was simmering and and neither yeah neither franchise has been you know really worth <laughs> being rivals of each other with. At least been good at the same time. I mean when the Pistons were so good in the early two thousands. Bulls weren't were still rebuilding from Jordan and then you know when the Bulls were good um at the beginning part of this past decade I feel like the Pistons weren't really uh much yeah, not much was going on there so yeah I think Pistons haven't won a playoff game in like 12 years and I think the Bulls have won five playoff series since Jordan retired so I mean it's been some pretty pretty lean years for both franchises and so we haven't really had a chance to have that animosity because neither one of us have done much <laughs> Hopefully we can get it back soon. I do miss I do miss the Bulls being good, and this kind of has reignited that passion a little bit. Like, I've been so detached from the Bulls just with their incompetence in the last few years, and finally this has given me that, you know, that kind of inner fan, a reason to to fanboy over the Bulls in, in a way that hasn't, you know, like since the D-Rose days, hasn't really 
um, been a reality for me. So. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the day where, you know, Pistons can at least, you know, start to be competitive again. You know, a lot of times it's been, hey, you squeak into the playoffs of the AC and get swept by LeBron. That's not necessarily the most fun way to go out. But I feel like that's kind of been what they've done in the playoffs the last couple of times they've been there. Yeah, definitely know that feeling. Um, let's shift, though, from sports documentaries and uh, this sports documentary to – Movies in general, our topic of the week. Um, and basically how we kind of agreed to do this before we hopped on here was we'll do top three or so for uh, the major sports on, um, I guess, basketball, baseball, and football. Uh, and then don't worry, hockey fans. We have some – I at least listed some hockey movies in my general category, but we decided to do the, the top three sports there and list a few – movies for each category and then um, do a general category as well. And these are not scientific. These are not based on uh, awards as we talked about earlier, but um, more so just personal preference. And uh, I'm curious to see if it varies between um, eras here since, you know, you're about half a generation behind me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I'm glad you, you said it with that caveat. I do not consider my movie, I do not consider myself a movie buff whatsoever. Again, these are just films that I like. Um, and I have the tendency to when I really like a movie, I will watch it whenever it's on. And so I'm fine just kind of staying in my lane. I don't necessarily need to jump out and watch other stuff just because other people tell me it's great. And so I just want to keep that in mind as we go through this. Same. Like, There's a lot that I feel like as a sports fan, people would be surprised to hear that I haven't seen. Um, like I've never seen any of the Rocky movies, never seen uh, Bull Durham, um, never seen any given Sunday. So there's a lot that, that uh, we might get into here that I might just kind of shrug at. But uh, let's start with basketball. Let's, let's, let's just off the top since we're already talking hoops. Um, give me what you had on your list and, and we'll see if any of ours match up. Uh, well, my personal favorite for basketball is White Man Can't Jump. I love that movie. Uh, anytime it's on, like a TNT, TBS, MTV, I'm absolutely watching it. Um, I just think the back and forth is so great. The jokes are outstanding. Um, and it's some pretty good basketball in the scenes. Uh, so I, I definitely enjoy that one the best. Um, and I'd say if you got to include documentaries, so Hoop Dreams obviously is in that mix as well. Um, and I guess my third would probably be Love and Basketball. That's another one that I have not seen is Love and Basketball um, that I've heard a lot about and I need to, to watch one day. Um, before I let you know what's on my list, I will say there was one candidate that I tried to watch recently this week. And my, uh, my service provider, when I ordered the movie, paid real American dollars for the movie to watch Blue Chips. Um, about a third of the way through the movie, it dropped out and I couldn't get it to Ah, oh, that's terrible. I know, and I couldn't get it to 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 um keep playing. And I, you know, even like called support, chatted with support. Nothing's working. I, I don't. The universe doesn't want me to watch Blue Chips, but I was enjoying it. So maybe that will work its way in once I get around to finishing it. Nice. Um, so I was very disappointed that didn't work. Uh, White Man Can't Jump is also on my list. Uh, great movie. Even though it was released a little before my time, it was one that I feel like uh, my. Someone in my family had suggested, maybe my dad, um, 
you know, put it in front of me when I was younger and it was one I've seen multiple times. I need to watch it again just because it is so good. Like you said, um, so many great, you know, just street ball and hustling scenes in, in that movie. Um, great dialogue back and forth. Uh, another one is Space Jam. Another one and I've watched many times and that also kind of um, put Michael Jordan in my universe more than the Bulls ever could just because I watched it probably when I was younger than 10 years old when Jordan would have moved on from the Bulls, but still been kind of this mythical figure uh, as a young basketball fan. And also, you know, as a Looney Tunes fan growing up, it was a perfect, perfect marriage. And another kid's movie that still sticks with me this day is Like Mike, just with Bow Wow taking the role of Calvin Cambridge. And I think I like that one because as like a real, you know, hardcore sports fan, I've always been annoyed when movies try and fake it with sports movies and they take the fake teams and the fake athletes and actors that clearly never picked up a ball before and the fake logos. Like the only thing that was fake about like Mike was obviously the five foot two Calvin Cambridge dunking and playing the NBA and playing on the LA Knights. Um, but they, the rest of the, the league was the same. They had like NBA stars in it. Vince Carter, who's still technically in the NBA was like kind of the villain in the movie. Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Kidd, um, and all these guys that you watch as a kid were actually in the movie. So I thought that was really cool. Nice. That's a, that's definitely an interesting list. And so we had one of, one of the same and I went probably a little older and you went a little newer. I feel like that's probably gonna be par for the course for this. Right. I did. I did think it was kind of goofy though, that they had a third team in LA trying to share the Staples center um, as opposed to like just, putting a team somewhere else. I guess they kind of had, had to in LA to make the, the storyline work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny that an NBA city would have three teams. I did have hoop dreams. I kind of just wrote down a few honorable mentions. Um, I had hoop dreams on that. That was a really good one. I love being from Illinois and, and showing all the Illinois high school basketball highlights in that. And also it throws back to the nostalgia of when they used to play the Illinois state tournament at, uh, Assembly Hall or State Farm Center in Champaign, which hopefully they get back here sooner than later. I know they're trying to get the tournament back in Champaign, but that was always the goal for um, those athletes back in the day. And you hear the flying line, I talk about it, and you hear um, the main characters in Hoop Dreams talk about it, how they wanted to get downstate, and downstate for them meant Champaign and not Peoria, where it's been the last like 15, 20 years. So, um, and then I don't know how you feel about Coach Carter, but that was one that just barely missed the cut. Yeah, I like Coach Carter a lot. Um, that's definitely one that uh, I've watched quite a bit. And it seems like whenever there's, like, some kind of true story involved, like, I, I get an attachment there, too. Like, I'll try to find out, you know, some of those players and what they wound up doing and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I always like – even though it might be loosely based on a true story at times, no, I I still find that element to kind of give it a little boost. And so I definitely enjoyed Coach Carter as well. Yeah, Glory Road, another one. And then I I did have Bad Boys and Fab Five as two. I just had to write down somewhere, like even though they didn't make the top three, they're just such good documentaries. And, um, you know, I know one of them probably doesn't appeal to you as much with the Wolverines, but a lot of good Michigan basketball. What's that? Made it a point to never watch it. Really? Never seen it? Never seen it on purpose. That's a little that's a little too petty, but I understand. I, I would probably do the same if it was uh, <laughs> one of my rival teams. 
All right, H, let's do, uh, let's do baseball. What do you got? Uh, let's see. Baseball. Uh, I'm a big fan of A League of Their Own. I think Tom Hanks and Gina Davis absolutely steal the show there. And you still got you know, star power from, you know, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Lori Petty. And so I think that's a really, really good movie. Um, Major League is another one where I watch it constantly. Um, the fact that, you know, you get Charlie Sheen and Wesley Snipes and, and uh, the fact that, you know, it's, you know, it's about Cleveland, you know, so it's a Midwest thing. And so I, I enjoy that part. And again, dialogue, hilarious, uh, concept, hilarious, much better unedited. Um, and last version. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's still okay, but the unedited just so much better. And then let's say the last one kind of brings me back to childhood, the Sandlot. Big fan of the Sandlot. Um, Benny the Jet, that's my guy. And so I had to put them on there. All right, not bad. You know, kind of, you can even have a debate over which character is better, Willie Mays Hayes or Sidney Dean, um, Wesley Snipes' characters, but that's for another day. Um, I had Major League as like the first one to miss the cut. I also really enjoy that movie. Um, it's hilarious, but it did not quite make the cut for my top three. One was a uh, rookie of the year. I just like the Cubs connection. I think it's probably like an average sense. movie. Like it was, it was good. It was kind of your like Mike of the nineties, but it, it, just the fact that it was um, connected to my favorite team, the Cubs and, and uh, it was kind of a, again, a, a coming of age childhood movie that I, I watched a lot. Um, that's why I, I included it. Not, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of eye rolling and goofy moments in it, but um, whatever. It's it, a kid's it movie. That I mean, place. it's supposed to be. Moneyball is another one. Um, even though they portrayed some of Billy Bean's moves, uh, you know, selective, selective highlighting, I think, with a lot of the moves he made, but they got the point across and, and they got the, uh, the Bill James doctrine across pretty well, I thought. And I've always kind of been just like an A's fan since I watched that movie and, and seen kind of the struggles that franchise has had and also the successes they've had. And it's, it's you know kind of wild just based off a movie that you'd be a fan of a team but i'm guessing i'm not the only one um and i also respect billy bean for not leaving to go to the red sox even though um history would show they maybe made the wrong decision there and then speaking of the red sox my third one is fever pitch with jimmy fallon drew barrymore great rom-com uh it's one of those that i can always pop on and and laugh at no matter if i've seen it the last year or it's been a few years it's it's always hilarious and i think that ties into my cubs fandom as well as like the red sox breaking that curse and relating to the jimmy fallon character of, of being obsessed with uh, a team like that no those are all all good picks and again the emotional connection always winds up helping to form these lists right i mean two of those three movies are you know one is because of the Cubs, and another one is because it made you feel for the Cubs. And so I get it. Exactly. Personal list. Exactly. And they're all kind of underdog movies. Um, yeah, exactly. If you, Major League, too, just because the Indians were so trash uh, in right. that movie. So, um, all right, let's move along to football. Uh, interested to hear your list here because I feel like there are a few, like I mentioned, Any Given Sunday is one that I, I haven't seen. I don't know why I haven't seen them, but. Um, just haven't. So 
What do you got? And let's see if any of ours overlap. Yeah, I really I thought long and hard about uh, any given Sunday, um, especially because he had some star power in there, but I couldn't pull the trigger on it. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Remember the Titans. I'm going to go with Friday Night Lights. And a wild card here of We Are Marshall. Um, so, again, I think the Remember the Titans, you know, I mean, Denzel does a heck of a job in that role, obviously. Um, you know, the fact that, again, kind of based off a true story, which is the case with the, the other two movies as well. Um, those movies just kind of speak to me a little more. Um, the football, for the most part, is pretty good. I mean, there's no way they win a state championship on a reverse, but, you know, that's the Disney part of the movie. And so I guess you have to have the happy ending there. But, you know, the characters are extremely relatable. And, and shout out to Wood Harris, because that was kind of the beginning of his, you know, very underrated career as an actor. So. I uh, definitely enjoyed that. Um, Friday Night Lights, again, so Billy Bob Thornton does a great job as the coach. Um, underdog at quarterback. Booby Miles is extremely quotable. Um, and we are Marshall. I mean, you know, that's completely based off the true story, you know, of the Marshall football team having a plane crash and starting all over again. And Matthew McConaughey does a really good job there as the coach. So, Again, true stories, underdog stories, uh, usually led by a, you know, a charismatic coach. Yeah, two of those I still haven't seen. I've not seen Friday Night Lights. It's the other one I was I couldn't think of it at the time, but people are shocked when I say I haven't seen. I have not seen We Are Marshall, although I know the story behind it, um, and I can see why you'd pick that one. Um, I picked a, a documentary for one of them. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. I think it's called Eighty Nine Blocks. Uh, about the East St. Louis football team from a few years ago. It was actually on Fox. It was a Fox production, and it aired on okay. FS1. Um, so it was about the, I think, 2016 or 17 state championship East St. Louis Flyers high school football team. And East St. Louis is one of those schools um, that has a lot of underprivileged kids, a lot of kids struggling with things at home, um, a lot of poverty there. And it was an inspiring just kind of journey with that, those, those guys to, to win the state title. And there's a lot of local ties that um, were kind of cool to follow. So Terry Hawthorne was a, a player at Illinois. I think he was a coach there in the movie. I think he still is a coach um, at East St. Louis. And then Jeff Thomas was another guy who uh, transferred to Illinois and then untransferred. Uh, he was, he was a Miami wide receiver and he was kind of the star of the movie. He, uh, his, his uh, life was profiled and, Cameras followed him around probably the most out of any player there. Um, and I think – I'm trying to remember if the game was played at Illinois Memorial Stadium or if it was the year where they played. They switch off every year. They go to NIU and they go to Illinois. So I can't remember if they actually played the games in Champaign. I think they did. So that was an interesting one. It was really well done by uh, the documentary uh, series at, at Fox. Um, so that's my uh, – I won't say it's number one on the list, but it made the top three. Uh, probably said number one is Longest Yard, for as goofy as it is. Uh, it was cool to see the, the celebrity cameos in there. I know Adam Sandler loves playing some sort of, like, sports hero in his movies. Um, fancies himself as a uh, sports guy for sure. I uh, don't necessarily buy that he would be some sort of NFL, NFL Hall of Famer, Pro Bowl caliber athlete, but uh, he, he definitely plays the role in the movie. And then I just remember watching it as a, like, maybe – 
adolescent teenager were playing the football scenes over and over again just because it was still in that era of like when the hits were huge and they really played up the uh the ridiculousness of the um guards versus cons game or however they referred to it mean machine and uh just having like guys like nelly in the movie was was great and funny and uh, what's that yeah, Michael Irvin. Yeah, Michael Irvin was in it too. Harry Cruz. Yeah. Harry Cruz. Yeah, the uh, Eddie uh, Cheeseburger Eddie. Yeah. And they're still like, I feel like I see Brucey memes to this day. Um, whenever, <laughs> whenever there's a uh, someone's making fun of a, a bad quarterback in real life, you're just gonna compare him to Brucey. Um, so, a lot of funny stuff in that movie. And my third one was Remember the Titans. Um, so those match up. Pretty much for all the reasons you said. Uh, good message there. Remember the Titans, and I always love a Denzel movie. Yeah. So, again, solid picks. You know, we definitely had some – I've noticed we haven't had some of the the older movies, and I'm sure some of that is because of age, and some of it, again, is just, look, hey, you're supposed to watch this. But that's not really how I operate. So I'll, right. I'll watch what I want to watch, and I'll go from there. All right. Do you have any, I've listed a few general movies. Do you have any, I guess these could technically be um, from the sports categories we listed above, or it could just be, you know, your Olympic sports or kind of outside the box sports. So do you have any remaining? Um, So I know you say you've never seen the Rocky movies. I'm obsessed with the entire series. Really? Uh, My wife talks about me often for watching them uh, whenever they come on. Um, Creed has been on I'd say a lot during this quarantine I found myself watching it more often than not Um, a big fan of that whole series everyone except for the fifth one the fifth one is completely bad but uh, I enjoyed the other seven I believe so the Rocky movies I definitely would put in that mix I think Miracle is an extremely well done movie Um, definitely enjoyed that um, and when we had the the anniversary, you know, I believe they showed it on ESPN not too long ago, and it was fun to watch that again, like the 40 year anniversary of you know, them taking Dial and the Soviet team. So I uh, thought that was a really good movie. And let's see, Happy Gilmore is a kind of honorable mention for me because you know, kind of to your Adam Sandler point earlier. Um, I don't think I've ever laughed harder at a movie than the Bob Barker, Adam Sandler fight. Uh, that's one of the all-time time funny moments for me in cinema. And so I literally had to pause the movie watching it as a kid because I was rolling around on the floor and laughing my butt off. So I uh, definitely have to include Happy Gilmore in that mix. Yeah, Happy Gilmore is one of those that's kind of timeless with like the memes. There's a lot of Shooter McGavin ones or or uh, Adam Sandler taking the the um, batting practice off the chest in the, in the batting cage. Like, those are still timeless. Uh, I didn't have that on my list for some reason, but I, I must have forgotten. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Rocky or Creed. I don't know why. Like, bo- boxing movies don't necessarily appeal to me, although I did have an honorable mention for Southpaw. That's the one I did see, and I remember it being pretty good. I think Jake Gyllenhaal's in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree about Miracle. Really good movie and it's one that I saw as I was kind of really getting into hockey as a, as a young kid um, so it stuck with me and really like the story of obviously um, not only the American story of it but just kind of how those guys were 
college, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. It's just a ragtag bunch of, of guys that got together and, and took down uh, the evil empire. Uh, sticking with hockey, the Mighty Ducks franchise was one that I watched a lot growing up. I just kind of watched those movies over and over, whether it was like on a road trip or whatever it was. I really liked um, that just kind of as being that age group when it, when it was popular. And I, I thought it was kind of ridiculous how you, it went from being this uh, street hockey group of kids that, you know, wins their, whatever, their local league. And then all of a sudden they're like in the Olympics the next year, which is, or the junior Olympics, which is kind of ridiculous, but. Hey, and then the fact that they couldn't they make varsity after that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Didn't make a whole a ton of sense, but Hollywood's going to do what it does. And then um, I had dodgeball kind of my, my answer to your happy Gilmore, you know, get a little goofy with it. I get, it's kind of a sports movie. I just like Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller, that whole cast. It's always funny. Yeah. I mean, again, that's a extremely funny movie. I noticed when it came to, you know, kind of outside of the top three sports, I kind of lean a lot more towards some documentaries. And so um, there's the, the Borg McEnroe doc, because I, I was a huge tennis guy growing up. Um, that was always fascinating to me. Um, I actually saw it on a plane, um, and I was locked in for the full, you know, 100 minutes or so. Uh, big fan of that. Um, I actually plan on watching the, the, the Federer and Nadal one later this weekend, I want to say. It came on Tennis Channel, but you could watch it on YouTube. It was about the, uh, you know, their rivalry and their classic Wimbledon final they had a few years back, so I'm a Definitely try to watch that. Yeah, for whatever reason, I just seem to kind of gravitate toward the docs. I know soccer-wise, uh, the two Escobars that the 30 for 30 that ESPN did, um, that was unbelievably captivating, uh, you know, based on you know, that Colombian national team in the 94 World Cup. For those who haven't seen it, it's fascinating. So uh, please go do so. Maradona was pretty good, too. Um, I watched that when it came out recently. Uh, and then one more documentary. I don't know if you've seen, since we're on the topic, how about Icarus? So, I haven't. I haven't seen it. It's interesting. It's really good. It's kind of exposes um, Russian doping and and kind of the cheating that's rampant in international competition. Um, it's pretty pretty fascinating. So that's another one if you have time in quarantine. You got nothing but time. So. Exactly. Well, H, uh, I enjoyed this. Um, I'm already scheming on topics for next week. Uh, so I'll share that with you here soon. We'll keep the view, the listeners in suspense. And, um, you know, you gave me some, some good options to work with for, to knock out some long awaited viewings that I, you know, I've been too stubborn to get to in my first 26 years. So. Yeah. Likewise, man. I definitely hope you can go ahead and see the end of blue chips though. I mean, that has so uh, And I got to get my money back. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to get your money back for that. I mean, you got to at least see what well, what part did it cut off on? Like twenty minutes, and it was I didn't give it. Oh, so you didn't. Even I tell I was like I was enjoying it. I would have stuck around. Like it was it was good. Yeah, again, it's a movie when it's on. I have no problem watching it. Um, you know, some of it's a little far fetched, but other parts, like you know, I can kind of see how they got there, and then you know, you play it, play it up, and you get two NBA stars and a guy who played college hoops. Like it's, it's a pretty fun doc. It's a pretty yeah. fun movie. Rick Pitino was in the first few scenes. So that was funny. How about, uh, have you seen he got game? I haven't seen, that's another one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that good? It, worth it? 
Yeah, I think it's worth it. I mean, you get Denzel, uh, the fact that, you know, Ray Allen, you know, winds up, you know, kind of his acting career, I guess, his acting debut. Um, I think it's funny if you ask a lot of people, a lot of people probably know Ray Allen from that uh, Miami Heat shot and that documentary, and they don't remember how good he was in college, and they don't remember how good he was uh, before he got to the Celtics and won that first title. It's kind of like those two, those two things. For sure. Well, that's another one I'll try and check out. Uh, good stuff, Harold, as always. We'll talk soon. And, you know, uh, if I have any feedback in any of these movies, I'll definitely hit you up next time. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right. All right, thanks once again to Harold, Georgie, for joining me. Appreciate both those guys. Appreciate everyone out there for listening and continuing to tune in. I know I've fallen off the podcast game a little bit myself as far as tuning into to my regular uh, slate of podcasts on a weekly basis. It's just kind of hard to um, you know, plug into audio when you're not on any trains or in any cars or pretty much just hanging out at home so i appreciate everyone who stuck with it and we'll continue to to churn out these episodes as often as we can thanks to julie bronder for producing the show and we will talk to everyone soon here on the take 10 podcast